Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Steve Pipe. Steve Pipe has spent 20 years researching how accountants and their clients can build better businesses, better lives and a better world. He's also a strategist, best-selling author and keynote speaker. He's been named the UK Entrepreneur of the Year and the world's most highly rated accountant. But in 2018, he decided to retire and he's given everything away to help businesses benefit themselves and others by focusing on his core belief that every single business, regardless of size, location, sector, age or maturity, can make our world a better place. I'm looking forward to tapping into Steve's mindset and really thinking about the work that he does. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Steve Pipe. Hiya, Steve. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for having me today. It's great. And how are you today? How are things going? Well, I'm really, really well, apart from this uh, throbbing on my forehead. I just had a little bit of skin removed in case it was cancerous. But actually, I'm actually great. And that's a, a, a good thing to have done as well, a sensible precaution. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so what have you been up to this week? On top of that? Uh, well, the big thing for us this week is we're about to start selling our house. So I've got to get the house cleaned and tidied, ready for our first viewing on Saturday. Very exciting, but um, a little bit daunting too. The, the, thing, the things that have got to be done, yeah? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, as you know, with the podcast, the, the way I normally start it is to begin with your story. And obviously that's in as many words as you want to take. And really just to tell us, you know, how your career has gone and where you are now to date. Yeah, well, that's a, what a wonderful opportunity to talk about myself. Thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm 60 now. I was 60 over the summer. I'm technically retired. I'm a chartered accountant by background. I, I built a 40-person consulting business from scratch, not even from a shared bedroom. In the usual story, I started in a shared bedroom. Uh, sorry, a, a spare bedroom. We didn't have a spare bedroom. We had a two-bedroom house and a, and a few-month-old baby. So I started my business in the same room that the baby, Laura, who's now 30, was sleeping I've retired from that business just uh, around about 50. And over the last 10 years, I've been sort of plowing my own furrow and doing more speaking, more consulting, more writing. But now I'm fully retired. And my mission in life is to help unlock 100 million days of help for people in need. And so far, and we measure this, we are at over 27 million days of help. So I've run and built and sold businesses. And I had a career myself before that in accountancy, working for other uh, a county business. I was head of finance for 140 million division at Kodak. Um, and I have had a blessed life, I think. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, you know, obviously we're, we're running business and, and being very, very successful in business. Well, what's made you successful? I mean, that, that's a really difficult question because there are so many different <laughs> chapters in life and so many different contributing factors. But, you know, I have over the over recent years really reflected a lot on you know my my forty or so years since since graduating and 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 the various directions that my career has taken me, but specifically the business parts of that. Um, and I think when I reflect on it, whilst I could pick out lots of individual detail things, I think there's one big picture kind of issue which is has really contributed massively to to my success at least, and that's making sure that who I am and my values and what I stand for show up in my business. And one of the, and, and what, let me see what I mean by that. You know, one of the, I think the saddest 
but actually quite common things that you see in business or I've seen in business is business people, business owners, business leaders who are wonderful human beings at home, have a set of values which at home um, shine. You know, they're, they're, they're loving, they're caring, they're supportive, they're generous and so on and so forth. But something strange happens when they go to work. Those values almost get left at their front door and there's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, and, or if not quite that extreme. The values don't fully show up in business in the same way as they do at home. And, and I, I like to think, I hope, that one of the things which has driven me and one of the things that has helped me become successful is that my val- I've tried to ensure that my values have always shown up in business. And that really means you know, my business has always been focused on the needs of others, helping others, putting uh, their needs almost before mine, as, as it were, and doing the right thing. So down at you know, a really micro level, if something, if someone wasn't happy with what we did, we just, without question, refunded every single penny um, and did whatever we could to make it right on top of that. Now, from a strictly commercial point of view, you know, that's maybe going a little bit too far, not necessarily but actually you know it was true to who i am i you know you have to you have to earn the money that you're given rather than just get it rather than just take it you you so you know the being fair doing the right thing always focusing on the needs of others i think has been the the driving factor and and that that showed up in all sorts of ways you know we i was in a service business i i built a consulting business our customers were other accountants i'm an accountant by background and we were always focused on how can we help the accountant do a better job so that by doing a better job for their clients, they are helping their clients. And in the process, because we do a better job, because we help others, because we focus on others, we get well rewarded for it too. You know, They as accountants were getting well rewarded by their clients because they were doing a better job. And because we were helping make all of that happen, we were getting well rewarded too. And I think when your values show up, when you focus on helping others, when you always use doing the right thing as your moral compass in business and in you know your home and family life then the results come through success follows that completely makes sense and and i guess with everything that's been going on you know the, these last few years with pandemic and lockdown and the exponential change that's been going on in the world that that's never actually been more important has it well i mean you're absolutely right we we've, we've realized the interconnectivity haven't we you know covid which started somewhere else in the world, you know, spilled out and affected us all. And good things spill out and affect us all. Bad things spill out and affect us all. And I think, you know, our, our role as human beings is to make sure that we put out more good stuff than we put out bad stuff, and you know, far more good stuff than bad stuff. And then that then, you know, becomes the, the, the dominant state of the world, good rather than bad. And we each have an individual uh, role to play in that, I think. And that's, again, you know, that's, that's our value showing up so that, you know, we are contributing rather than taking. I totally agree. And and that leads us to, you know, obviously you've had a successful career in business, now fully retired. And the work that you're currently doing, so, you know, you, you haven't stopped, have you? And as you're saying, you want to make these impacts to help people across the world. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I've retired in one sense, but not in another. I've retired in the conventional sense. I no longer have a job and no one any longer pays me. I don't even actually get a pension yet because I'm only 60. So that doesn't kick in. So we're living off our savings. But so I've retired in the sense that I don't get paid by choice, um, but I still spend three days a week you know, sharing my thoughts and sharing my ideas and sharing my insights from a stage and from a Zoom platform and, and, and any other way I can, writing books and so on, um, to try and sort of galvanize more businesses to put their values you know, at the heart of their businesses and not to leave them at their front doors either so that you know, more business are on this 
in this in this movement to make the world a better place, the business for good movement, it's often referred to. And there's a huge body of evidence, actually, that businesses that do good, that do the right thing, actually get better commercial results as well. I mean, a really fascinating study last year, for example, by Deloitte that was published last year called The Purpose Premium. And they looked at how much better... Uh, so we, you, talk, you asked me about my business success. Well, mine's just one little business and, and one little story. But what if you studied thousands of businesses, as Deloitte did, and looked at um, what they called the purpose premium, the payback from effectively being a business that's doing the right thing, a business that puts its values at the center of what it's doing, that, that, that is making a positive contribution, having a positive impact on the world. And they found, for example, that businesses that, that, that were like that, and they call it the purpose premium, were able to charge on average 39.5% more for the same product or service. Well, that's an extraordinary finding. And that then flowed through to they found that the PE ratio, the multiple of profits that is used to value a business, was four times as high for a purpose-driven business. So putting it in, in language that I understand, when you come to sell your business, it will be worth four times as much money. So you'll get four times as much for it when you retire. What? You know, putting your values at the core of your business can, can give you four times as much money on retirement. Yep, according to Deloitte. So now there's a real business case for that kind of thinking, as well as the fact that you feel in your heart that it's the right thing to do and you never have any regrets. Yeah, then no, that is, that is astounding, isn't it? And it's such a positive difference that can be made in the world as well by businesses. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely for sure. So, I mean, talking about the difference that you're making and you're talking about a, a business for good. So so I know that, you know, you do a lot of work for B1G1. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about B1G1? B1G1 is, is I mean, I'm a member of that community as, as indeed are you, Paul. Um, B1G1 is a... If you, I like to think of it in a sense as like Amazon for kindness. You know, if you, it's nothing whatsoever to do with Amazon, by the way. It's not connected to, and they don't use that label themselves. But it's my way of, of understanding. It's a big online shop, effectively, where you can find and fund acts of kindness, where you can feed children or or give vitamin A supplements to, to prevent child blindness or plant trees or put a roof over a homeless person's head and so many, many, many other acts of kindness that you can unlock. And extraordinarily, because of the way that they do it, um, you can you can unlock those acts of kindness from as little as as one US cent a day. So you know, for example, you put a, a water pump in a village. It may cost a thousand dollars or something to put that pump in a village in Africa. That means they don't have to spend hours a day running you know, downhill to a, a dirty pond and bringing it back in a bucket. They get a pump in the village and they get clean water, and that doesn't make them ill. And the kids are able to go to school because they're not taking time off with tummy bugs and things. That, that, that um, water pump may cost $1,000, but the genius of B1G1 is it effectively allows us to crowdfund that. So they take the $1,000 and say, well, okay, that's that $1,000 to put the pump in is going to be you. That pump then is going to be used by hundreds of people for, for hundreds of days. So the per person per day funding cost of providing clean water is one cent or whatever. And then, you know, you and I can connect our businesses to those one cent impacts. We can fund a day's worth of water for one cent, or, you know, we can even feed a child in Africa for one US cent. We can put a roof over a homeless person's head for a few more cents. We can, you know, plant a tree for, in India for 22 cents and so on. So b one Journal has created this Amazon for kindness, where any business, and it's, it's aimed at businesses, any business can link what it does with making good things happen in the world. So for example, there's a coffee shop where every time you buy a cup of coffee there, it provides clean water to a child in, in, uh, in Vietnam. And that water is cleaned 
by solar powered reverse osmosis. So it's not even it's not even got a carbon footprint to clean and desalinate the water. And that costs less than one US cent per day. So they sell a cup of coffee for three pounds and they fund less than one, way less than one pence worth of clean water. But the story they then have to tell is every time you buy a cup of coffee from us, a child in Vietnam gets clean water that's solar powered, so less environmental impact, uh, less carbon footprint, and a, a healthier and better life for that child just because you bought your cup of coffee here. That kind of story really sets the coffee shop apart. Now, it isn't about coffee shops, that's just an example. Any business can, can use B1G1 to connect up its success with success in the world so that as the business becomes more successful, gets better results, so does the world. And actually then go back to that Deloitte's result, when you do this kind of stuff, Deloitte's research suggests that actually people will pay more for the cup of coffee and your coffee shop business will be worth you know, four times as much when you come to sell it. So not only is that great for the world, but it's great for us as business people too. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, I mean, it goes back to business values, doesn't it? You know, this value-based leadership yep. where organizations and companies are actually demonstrating you know, they're, they're actually putting the money where the mouth is in, in some respects. So, for sure, yeah. without, without, and, and you know, if most businesses say the right words. You know, most businesses have a mission statement, which include, you know, words like fairness and, uh, and so on. But actually, they can list those values, but they don't always live them. And it's about those values showing up systematically in the behavior, the systems, the habits, the cultures and the story of the business. And um, it's such an exciting thing to do because it, it feels beautiful. You know, it gives you an incredibly warm feeling knowing that you're making a difference, but it actually also delivers commercially. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, from my perspective, being part of B1G1 and being a business for good, it, it just, it does make you um, feel good about what you do and how you do it each and every day. So, you know, I'm, 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 so, I'm totally bought in as you as Yeah, you know. yeah so, indeed. So, so, so with, with this podcast, Steve, it's, you know, it's framed around, you know, reframing your thinking. It's about your mindset. So, you know, through your career and where you are today, why has mindset been so important to you? Yeah, that's a really, really interesting question. And I suppose, because I had a, a sense that you might ask me something like that. Um, I mean, I, I guess mindset is not a word that I would necessarily have used to describe it, but actually the more I think about it, the, the more appropriate a word it is. So I think you've hit on something spot on there. Um, it, it's important to me because at various times in my career, people have said to me that either what I wanted to be wanted to do couldn't be done or that it shouldn't be done. So for example, I handed in my notice at a, in, I, was, I was head of finance for 140 million division of Kodak. I, I was being well paid with, a, with, with an exciting blue chip, um, career path ahead of me and people said well you you know you shouldn't hand in your notice there what are you going to do um you, you mean you're going to so our Laura who's now 30 uh, had just been born and, and within weeks of her being born I handed in my notice now people were saying that couldn't that shouldn't be done uh, I shouldn't do that and I couldn't do it but I had to believe it was the right thing to do so I, at so many points mindset slash beliefs have um have have been my compass and they, they, they've driven me and I've had to believe that what I was doing was the right thing to do and despite and not let other people's perception of that it couldn't or shouldn't be done was their perception not let other people's perceptions put me off so I think that's why it's so important because it's completely shaped the direction of my career because 
you know, quite frankly, if I'd stayed of head of head of finance at, at uh, Kodak, I would have probably, you know, earned a significant amount of money over my corporate career until they went bust, of course, which by the way, I'd long since left them. So that's not my fault. Um, but you know, if if um if I'd stayed there, I'd probably move into another blue chip in the environment. I would have done well in, in conventional senses, but I would not have had, I don't think, the sort of joy and 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 um you know, I would not have created the kind of impact that I, I like to think that people tell me that I've been able to create through the career that I have forged. So it's completely changed the shape of my life by by um, having that mindset, which says, don't listen to other people when they say it couldn't, shouldn't be done. Um, you know, follow your heart, do the right thing. With you, with you. And, and how would you describe that mindset then? Well, I, I think the last sentence that I said there pro- probably gets to it. I mean, I think the, 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 the mindset has always been, I need to follow my heart. So I left that big blue chip job because Laura had just been born. She was three weeks old. We never, it was our first child. I knew that I didn't want to work, you know, stupid hours a week, however good the salary and company car was for a big corporate at that point. I wanted to, to have more time with, you know, my now family of three, my wife, Carol and, and Laura, our, our first one. We've got three children now. Um, but uh, so she comes along and my heart was telling me, you know, however good your career is and however much other people are saying to you, um, stay. It'd be silly to add in your notice, including my father-in-law, who thought that was, you know, a risky, crazy thing to do because he was from the world of employment. I handed in my notice and set up my own business. That, so follow my heart drove me in that absolutely critical time. And similarly, you know, when I decided to actually stop, to, to, to retire, to stop all my commercial activities and instead focus on the kind of stuff we're talking about today, making the world a better place. Um, again, that was, you know, people said, well, you know, that can't be done. You can't give away all your time and intellectual property and all the books you've written in, and all your insights. You can't be a speaker without charging for any of that. Surely, you, you know, that you can't or you shouldn't do that. And I said, no, no, for me, that is the right thing to do. So I think I, my mindset is always use your heart, which then is, is based on your values as your compass. And it's made it's helped me make some really big decisions. Um, and. And in terms of reframing that mindset from time to time, the reframe is that 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 mindset cannot be other people's definition of success. So I reframed other people's definition of success to my definition of success. You know, other people's definition of success when I was at Kodak was rising up the corporate ladder. And my definition of success, which was that, you know, I wanted to be there as a father and I couldn't do that well enough if I was going to, you know, do everything that rising up the corporate ladder at Kodak was going to involve. So I think it's about you know reframing other people's definition of success and making absolutely sure it's your definition of success that drives you. Brilliant. No, that, that's a great explanation. I think that there's got to be so many people and you know listening to this as well, they, they possibly are thinking, you know, they need to listen to the hearts, they, they need to maybe make that decision or make that move based on what you've just said. Yeah. I mean I I so I left that big blue chip organization, Kodak. And I really did not know what was next. I, had, I wasn't leaving for a job. And at that point, I wasn't leaving to set up a business. I just knew that spending some time with that with a little baby was the right thing to do and that I would work out the next step subsequently. Um, and that, you know, I could afford, if it was a mistake, I could afford one mistake on my CV. I didn't believe it was. But if, if the other people were right and I was wrong and that it was the wrong thing to do, well, then I can afford one mistake on my CV and still not, you know, completely blight my entire future. It wasn't a mistake. It was absolutely the right thing to do. 
And that, that totally resonates with me because, you know, part of the reason I went into business was for that work-life balance and spending more time at home with the little ones. So I mean, it can know. be an illusion. Of course, we know we both know that in business, sometimes we work stupidly hard. We just work for ourselves. We've got this completely unreasonable boss ourselves. And in the early days, that unreasonable boss doesn't pay us very much either. But, you know, we have to be able to structure our business so that we get out of that kind of trap. And for me, that was all about, you know, having a systems-based business and employing people that could run those systems. So Michael Gerber's message in a sense. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, talking about this, you know, heart and your sleeve mindset, are there any practical tips that you've got when it comes to developing or enhancing your mindset for others? Yeah. I mean, I think the crucial thing is to always remember that it's your mindset, not someone else's. So what I mean by that is, Think personal and think big. You know, in, in terms of that, in terms of your mindset, in terms of the, the guiding compass, think personal. It's unique to you. It doesn't have to be constrained by the mindset of others. The mindset of others in my time was that you work in a big corporate because that's why you you started. KP, you know, I joined. I qualified with KPMG, so that naturally leads you into into the big corporate environment. That was the mindset, and then that mindset then for most other people came through in terms of that career path, but. You know, my mindset was personal. It was unique to me, and it wasn't that one. It wasn't the mindset of the big corporate part. So I think think personal and think big. You know, every single one of us can change the world through our businesses and through our lives. Not every aspect of the world. Most of us can't change every aspect of the world, but every one of us can change the world in some way, in some part, for the better. So think big, think about the difference that we can make. And don't be constrained when other people say, you can't do that. That's not possible. That's unrealistic. Think personal, think big. I think when you do that, you 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 forge your own mindset that allows you to follow your heart that's not constrained by others. I so agree. I'm a massive believer that we can all change the world, but we can do it in our own way. Yeah. You know, and that small difference, even if it's just a small difference, if we all do it, it adds up to one hell of a big difference. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so Steve, who's who's helped you through your career and maybe shape your mindset? Have there been any key influences in your life? Well, I mean, yes, there've been, there've been, I guess, too many to mention in total. But I'll mention one, and because the one that springs to the very to, you know, is on the tip of my tongue is is there the, the the core of my my entire being in a sense. Paul Dunn, Paul Dunn has, has so Paul is a. a, a was born in the UK, lived most of his life in Australia, now currently based in Singapore, one of the two founders of B1G1, in fact. But before B1G1 even existed, Paul was, Paul completely changed the way I think about everything. Um, because in, in his previous life, Paul woke up an entire profession, my, my profession, the accounting profession. He ran a thing called the Accountants Bootcamp, and it basically gave accountants, including me, the courage to think much bigger. Uh, accountants back you know, before Paul came along really focused on getting tax returns and accounts done. And Paul said, look, you've got, you've got business skills, you've got business connection, you've got influence. As business advisors, we can do so much more to help our clients build better, more successful businesses. We can share with them the ideas of you know, Jay Abraham and Michael Gerber going back 20, 30 years ago. Those were sort of leading edge things. Um, you know, we can, we can use our insights to help out clients in a so much more effective way. So Paul gave me permission and the courage to think much bigger initially around my role as an accountant. And then that then led me to set up my first business, which was um, actually my second. My first business was an accountancy practice. I started that without Paul. 
When then Paul came along, he gave me the courage to say, I'm going to sell my accountancy business and I'm going to um, set up a consulting business, which was the one that I talked about at the beginning. That was the business that really changed everything for me. We grew from you know, the spare bedroom to um, uh, 40 employees and, and we made up, I'd like to think, and even just as recently as this week, someone who I helped 15 years ago told me on a phone call that I had changed his life, which is just a wonderfully humbling thing to say. And I previous to meeting Paul, I would I don't think I'd have changed anybody's life. So Paul gave me the courage to think bigger, initially by building a business for accountants that help them serve their clients better. And then he comes along a second time and creates B1G1 and gave me the, the courage to think even bigger still that we don't just have to help our clients, but actually we can help pretty much the entire world. We can make a difference to the entire world. And that's really my focus now is on the, the 17 UN global goals. These global goals that have to be achieved by 2017 to tackle all the key problems facing humanity and the planet, your poverty, hunger, and lack of access to clean water and education, inequality, environmental damage, climate change, and so on. We can each do something about so much of that. Uh, and that's about thinking bigger. And Paul's given me the courage to both think that and then to take the steps in my career to set up the first business helping accountants and then to retire from that and focus on the stuff we've been talking about today because that's what puts a spring in my step, gets me up in the morning, a smile on my face and joy in my heart. So boy, he taught me something that was really valuable. What an inspiration. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so Steve, uh, I mean, obviously you, you've had your, your adventures and your exploits. I, I always like to finish off with, a fun story uh, from those adventures. And I'm just wondering, you know, is, is there anything that you can share with us and share with the listeners that, that's okay? Uh, well, yeah, all of them are a little bit embarrassing, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't care. Um, so actually, the one that springs to mind relates back to Paul, Paul Dunn, that I was just talking about. Um, so, you know, the guy that gave me the courage to think bigger. The very first time I ever saw Paul, he was on stage in front of a room of 150 accountants, and I was one of the 150 sitting in the audience. I reached out to him afterwards and asked if we could meet because um, I wanted to pick his brains a bit more. But I also had some ideas to share with him. This was when I was just running an accounting business. So I didn't, you know, it, it was very early doors before most of the story that I've described. And you know, Paul graciously agreed to meet me. I was living in Leeds. He was staying in a hotel in central London. So I caught the really, really early train down from Leeds to London. So it's a two hour train got into London at about 7 a.m. So I caught about a 5 a.m. train. I've got my briefcase and I'm dressed in a suit because back in those days, that's what accountants did. And I get to the hotel where I'm meeting Paul at uh, nine o'clock and, and I bend over my suitcase, at which point my trousers split from the fly at the front <laughs> to the belt line at the back. So I've now got this, you know, 50 centimetres gaping hole just down the seam, but basically all the stitching's come undone. And I've got my underpants dangling out. And I'm in central <laughs> London. It's 7am in the morning in central London. There are no shops open. I can't buy a replacement <laughs> pair of trousers. And at that point, I've got a choice to make. Do I just make my apologies and go home? Or do I go to the meeting with, you know, my trousers split in this ridiculous... Now, this Paul, Paul is already my hero because I've seen him on stage and <laughs> so inspired I want to meet him. And I'm going to turn up at this meeting. And, and to make it worse, you know, it wasn't a conventional meeting room. We weren't going to be sitting under a desk. At a desk, I could get my legs under it or a, a meeting room table. We were sitting in the lounge of a hotel. So those are low, you know, sofa type arrangements where you can't really hide what's going on in your trousers. Um but I nevertheless thought, no, this is so important. I'm not going to run away. I'm going, to, I'm going to confront this situation. I'm just going to have to go in and apologize and explain and keep my legs crossed. Um, 
And, you know, I think there's a learning in that. You know, I could have run away. There's a turning point in my entire, like we wouldn't be having this conversation and I wouldn't be living in the house that I live and doing the things that I, that I do or, or maybe making the difference that I've made if I had turned away because my trousers split at that point. But it was too damn important. And I'm, I'm a seriously embarrassable guy. You know, I would put it in context. When I, a few years before that, as a kid, I had played the electric guitar three hours a day, practiced on my own, but never had the courage to join a band because I was too embarrassed to put my head above the parapet and go on stage. So now I'm the guy with the split trousers. You know, my natural home base is, is I'm shy. But, uh, you know, when you get, when something matters enough to you, you just push through the shyness, you push through the embarrassment, you do what needs to be done, which kind of brings us back full circle, doesn't it, to your values showing up in your behavior. Brilliant. So that, that's, that's a great story. It really is. So, so to conclude then with this podcast episode, what would be the last piece of advice that you'd give to the listeners then? Never let anybody else set the agenda, set the mindset, tell you what is and isn't possible because that's just their worldview. That's just their mindset. You're not constrained by that. You don't have to be constrained by that. We can all make much more of a difference than we dare to imagine. So as Paul taught me, have the courage to think bigger and not just the courage to think bigger, but then to follow that through with action. And, and B1Join is a brilliant way of following that through. And if anybody wants to, you know, pick my brains over a Zoom meeting or if, if possible over a real cup of coffee, but more probably over a Zoom meeting, I would absolutely love to share my insights and thoughts with anybody that wants to, to dig into this a little bit deeper to help you do some of this stuff in your business. And because I'm retired, I'm giving away my time, my ideas, my intellectual property, all my books, for free. So it's an offer of free help. There is no upsell. There is no course in the background. This is just me as a retired volunteer doing stuff that matters and making an offer that I hope matters too. Brilliant, Steve. Brilliant. And, and great words of advice. And, and hopefully, you know, you, you get some follow-up on the B1G1, you know, three advice, as you say, books and counsel that, that you can provide. So, so thank you very much, Steve, for coming on. My very great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. So it was brilliant listening to Steve today, talking about what it means to be a business for good, the Deloitte business case, the importance of being values-based and making a difference in the world. And I loved how he explained around B1G1 being the Amazon for kindness. His message around thinking big, think personal, and the mindset of follow your heart and do the right thing. And I love the fact that he talked about making sure that you've got your own definition for success in your life. So what a, a brilliant episode, great energy from Steve, and I'm gonna leave you with this. This class, is social studies. That is you and the world. Yes, there is a world out there, and even if you decide you don't want to meet it, it's still going to hit you right in the face. Believe me. So, best you start thinking about the world now and what it means to you. What does the world mean to you? Come on, a little class participation here. Is it just this class you want to get out of? Your house? Your street? Any further any of you want to go than that? Yes? 
The mall? That's only like two miles away from me. <laughs> well, let me ask you another question. How often do you think about things that happen outside of this town? You watch the news? Yes? No? All right, so we're not global thinkers yet, but why aren't we? Because we're 11. Good point. What's your name? Trevor. Maybe Trevor is absolutely right. Why should we think about the world? I mean, after all, what does the world expect of us? Expect. Mm -hmm. Of you. What does the world expect of you? Nothing. Nothing. My God, boys and girls, he's absolutely right. Nothing. I mean, here you are. You can't drive. You can't vote. You can't even go to the bathroom without a pass from me. You're stuck right here in the seventh grade. But not forever. Because one day, you'll be free. There's a dictionary at the front of the room. Look it up. And there are these dictionaries, which you will carry with you at all times, because in this class, we're going to learn to love words and their meanings. Any questions? Yeah. So you'll, like, flunk us if we don't change the world? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. But you might just squeak by with a C. you ever do to change the world? Well, Trevor, I get a good night's sleep. I eat a hearty breakfast. I show up on time. And then I pass the buck to you. Now, I want you all to write your names in these books. And what's your name? Pay it forward. What a great film. And the thing that you couldn't see was on the chalkboard. 
was the teacher who'd put, think of an idea to change our world and put it into action. And as he says, he's then passing the book on to the kids. My viewpoint is, is that I'm looking to change the world in my own way. And now I'm passing the book to you.